Would you, will you please take the roll? President Gustavo Serena. Here. Vice President Katie Liu. Commissioner Martha Knudsen. Here. Commissioner Michael Pappas is excused. Commissioner Teddy Brijes. Uh, present. And please note that Executive Director Shereen McSpadden is present. At this time, the commission respectfully asks that all cell phones and electronic devices are silenced. Thank you. Um, may I have a motion to approve the November 14, 2018 agenda? Yeah, Thank you. Do we have a second? I'll second it. Thank you. Um, all in favor, and please speak up. Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Thank you. The motion carries. And I would just like to point out a couple of things regarding the agenda. The, there has been a slight change in that we will take public comment, general public comment, at the end, after all of the other motions have been voted on and all of the other issues have been voted on, public comment following each uh, action item will, of course, continue as it has been. And then secondly, um, I have been advised that when we as commissioners vote, we need to be very clear that we are voting for or against. So hence, I will remind all of us to speak up. It's usually not a problem for me, but um, it is for my colleagues. Um, finally, may I, on item number three, may I have a motion to approve the October 3rd, 2018 commission meetings? So Men moved. Meetings. So moved. Second. Second. Thank you. Um, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Any discussion or any opposition? No? Thank you. The motion carries. Item four, the director's report. Thank you, Shireen. Good afternoon, commissioners. Um, it is rather cozy in here, huh? Um, so I just wanted to start by saying, and um, you may know this already, but wanted to say that the minimum compensation ordinance, which has been tossed around by the Board of Supervisors off and on over the last year, was actually approved, um, which means that in-home supportive services workers will go to $18.75 in um, July 1st, 22, and then their uh, pay will be tied to the consumer price index. Um, kind of a companion piece to that is that nonprofit workers who are making uh, minimum wage now will be moved to 16.50 an hour as of July 1st, 2019, and then their pay wages will be attached to um, the consumer price index as of July 1st, 2020. And so that's really exciting news for family caregivers and for all of the other IHSS workers that we work with, but also we have a number of um, nonprofit partners um, who I know really want to see their um, people who are making the least amount make a little bit more as it's really hard to live and work in San Francisco or anywhere near here. So it's a step in the right direction. Um, it's really exciting for us because we, you know, of course have so many IHSS providers and so many low-wage nonprofit workers in San Francisco and in the Bay Area in general. Um, last week was the, the annual conference of the California Association of Area Agencies on Aging, or C4A as we call it, which is essentially the trade association for area agencies on aging in California. And what that means is that's the organization that helps support um, organizations like ours with respect to how we work with the, the California Department of Aging. So they do a lot of um, kind of advocacy work with, with the Department of Aging for us. And then they also do a lot of legislative work um, at the state level. So, you know, obviously trying to get more funding for the services that we provide through the Area Agency on, agency on Aging, which includes um, home delivered meals, um, congregate meals, transportation, community services, and um, those kinds of services that you hear us talking about when we come forward with contracts. And so um, one of the things that's exciting, I think, is that C4A has finally hired a lobbying, a, lobby firm, a lobbying firm, and that's something that we haven't had in the past, and so it's something that the board approved um, last week, is that we'll have a contract for a lobbyist, which is really important, I think, for any of these associations if they're really going to play um, at the level that we need that organization to be to be playing at. Um, and they also they also hired me as the new. Um, no, I shouldn't say hired. They elected me as the new president of the board, and so I'm very excited about that. I think that um, 
it's an opportunity for San Francisco to get out there and maybe try to see if some of our models can be um, replicated at the state level. But just, you know, it's just exciting, I think, for me um, to be able to work at that level and, and be able to learn some new things and bring back whatever I learned to San Francisco. So that's kind of cool. Um, I know we've talked a little bit about the residential care facility work group. Um, they are continuing. There are some subcommittees of the work group that are really thinking about strategies for the strategizing, like how could we really continue to support residential care facilities in San Francisco? How do we focus also on people who are served by them? You know, what what is the best model or models for that? And then, um, you know, really, how do we make sure that 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 our clients, um, that the city's clients are being well served and that the, the city gets the best service for our clients that we can. Um, so that's that's still in the works. I think um, we're hoping that the recommendations from the full committee will go to the Long-Term Care Coordinating Council in December and then go back to the mayor and the Board of Supervisors who are very interested in us figuring out a solution to the problem um, of disappearing beds, of expensive beds, um, all of that. So we'll hopefully we'll have some good solutions. Some of those solutions obviously will have to be, will have to include lobbying at the state level um, for more support from the state. And then the last thing is that we're continuing to work on the service and alloc service allocation plan for the Dignity Fund. And um, that's a pretty heavy lift. I'm very happy that um, you have two representatives now um, uh, President Serenia, yourself, and also um, Commissioner Liu, who will be joining the Oversight and Advisory Committee, because it's, it's really important work that um, the department is doing in conjunction with the Oversight and Advisory Committee, and we're hoping to have the service allocation plan ready um, early in 2019 so that we can go through the processes of approval that we need to go through to, to carry it out for next year. So um, actually for the next four years, since it'll help inform us of our, our full four-year cycle this time. And I think that's all I have for today. So thank you. Thank you, Shereen. Any comments or questions from the commissioners? Thank you. <clears throat> next item on the agenda is employee recognition. The Department of Aging and Adult Services does. Commission and Executive Director Shereen McSpadden will recognize Karen Vandermeulen, from DAS's Adult Protective Services Office for her hard work and dedication. It's not working. Oh, it is working. Okay. How you doing? Nervous. A little nervous? Okay. Well, I have to say I'm really excited about Karen being employee of the month for DOS for this month because I actually knew her or got to know her a little bit before she even started as an intern with DOS. And that was quite a number of years ago, right? She was undergrad. Yeah. And I think you came in through like a little bit different different path from some of your colleagues out there. And... Um, and somebody called me and said, hey, I've got this, this person who's fantastic. She would be a great addition to DOS. Like, could you take her on as an intern? And I was like, yeah, well, why don't we meet her? So Karen, I got to meet you. Um, and we were able to find a place for you to work in DOS um, as an intern. And you were great, and you impressed us. And here you are today um, as an APS social worker and our employee of the month. So that's super, super exciting. It's really great to see that. And I think it was probably like, what, six years ago when you came to us? Yeah. So excellent. And congratulations. So I'm going to try to read this. It's Whoever did this, it's super small print, OK? I'm just, <laughs> I'm aging. It's hard. So um, I don't have to read it. <laughs> so Karen. Um, Karen Vandermeulen was a San Francisco APS intern in 2013-14 and has been working in adult protective services for three years. Ms. Vandermeulen is, a very dedicated, is very dedicated to her work and strives to provide the best customer service to her clients. She collaborates closely with other agencies by developing strong connections with professionals. She's able to get services completed due to positive relationships that she's developed. And that's really true about Karen. I mean, she carries her positivity everywhere she goes. That smile, 
um, super collaborative. I really would agree with that. Um, Ms. Vandermeulen is, a very, is very good at networking with agencies by inviting them to present at the unit meetings and offering APS presentations to the community. She's working on her LCSW and has recently completed her ASW individual supervision hours. Technology and creativity are both skills that Ms. Vandermeulen has used to increase her efficiency at work. And not everybody likes technology, I'm, you know, so this is a big deal for us. Her willingness to learn is a major strength for, for, for her. She took the initiative to learn about Skype and DocuSign and to test both for the agency. Karen is a positive person who works hard to keep morale high in the unit and in the program. She volunteered to be part of the and worked diligently in making them a great success. She has also volunteered and provided Spanish-speaking presentations to the community. She recently volunteered to do two Spanish-speaking presentations, including, um, including at La Casa de las Madres. Ms. Vandermeulen has a strong work ethic and cares about the population she serves. A court investigator called APS stating that Ms. Vandermeulen has gone above and beyond on the case and provided many compliments to her work ethic. A client's attorney also complimented her work ethic by stating, your instincts, your presence, your sensitivity, humor, and intelligence are the reasons we can trust that the frail, elderly, and abused, abused will be safe. Um, Ms. Vandermeulen is passionate about her work and is an excellent investigator. She is truly an asset to adult protective services. So that's quite a tribute, Karen. comes out now, but um, <laughs> I'm truly humble. Thank you so much. It really means a lot to me, and I think it shows that I'm in. I, when I first was an undergrad, I had never really heard of Adult Protective Services, and I was really, truly honored, to, I am, to be a part of it. I've never seen a group of people that work so hard and who love what they do. Um, sometimes we see the best, and sometimes we see the worst. And yet everybody always in the department has a smile. I feel like it's a really, truly fine-tuned symphony. Every single instrument is very different, but every single instrument is so important. And when we all come together, we are this wonderful symphonic that we support each other. Even in my worst days, it's wonderful to know that I have people there that I can turn to and get the support, the hand-holding that we need, that we can truly make what we do a success. Thank you. Next item in the agenda is the Advisory Council Report, Leon Schmidt. But I don't see Leon. <coughs> ah, Eleanor. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Um, Leon couldn't be here uh, today, so I'm going to present for him. Um, the Advisory Council had, it, had its meeting. We have a new member, Rick Johnson, who represents District 7. Um, uh, uh, President Schmidt uh, reminded us of the importance of attendance, and also we had a, a discussion of prevention, mostly related to earthquakes, uh, what, what we should have with us and, throughout our, th and have readily available through our property. Um, there, the Sunset has a program called Resilient Neighborhood in which uh, some neighbors have red garbage cans that hold emergency supplies for the neighborhood. This would seem like a model worth emulating. Uh, Executive Director Shireen McFadden presented, but she's already presented here. 
and um, uh, the, uh, Diane Lawrence, I think, has already presented on the AAA Council uh, for the Planning and Service Areas in California, so I won't, re I won't repeat that. She also will present later on the Joint Legislative Committee, so I won't, I won't uh, go over that either. Um, we had site, site visits as part of our task to visit nutrition programs and some other programs for the other department. And Margaret Graff and Diane reported on their visit to two restaurants which are part of the CHAMPS program. The CHAMPS program uh, permits uh, restaurants and I think other vendors to pre prepare meals that are approved by the, and funded by the Department on Aging. And so they presented uh, what sounded like a very delicious meal uh, to the Green Bamboo Restaurant. And uh, then Patty Spaniak to, and Bill Morata also uh, presented on another CHAMPS program at the Jackie Chan Center. Um, uh, there was some discussion per, more pertaining to the internal workings of the Advisory Council of what are our responsibilities with meal sites and uh, we, we'll be discussing that later. Um, we had L L LGBT updates. We Stand with Seniors is coming to San Francisco. Her input from the L LGBT community's perspective and needs is a means to address, to address that needs. Um, we, uh, there was a brief discussion of setting up a nominating committee uh, for the next, uh, for the offices of president, vice president, uh, second vice president, and secretary. Um, I won't go into that in much detail, but my understanding is that the nominating committee has been seeking uh, uh, candidates. Um, a particular issue that I brought up is that of the built environment. Uh, a greater and greater interest to me as I age. Um, I'm concerned with uh, availability and safety of sidewalks, uh, traffic lights, broken sidewalks, and in particular, um, somewhat concerned to read uh, a notice from, I think, the Greater Market Street Improvement Association, I think that's not quite, quite the right uh, title, in which they propose to have pedestrians and bikes on the same sidewalk although somewhat separated by bollards. Um, my own experience walking in the, on Chrissy Field and hiking is that this does not work very well, but uh, we, are we formed a committee to discuss these issues. Uh, Marcy Edelman has discussed San Francisco Walk, which has offered to make a presentation to us. Um, uh, we've, we formed a subcommittee consisting of myself, Marcy, uh, uh, Juliet Rothman, and Rick Johnson uh, to, wor to work on these issues. And at present, we're looking for input from older people, and it could be any older person, on what it's like to go down these streets these days. For example, a friend who lives at Pine Towers told me informally that it's just hellish to get down the sidewalk on Van Ness now because of all the work going on. So these are other issues, and we'll present our report at the Advisory Council next time. Um, let's see. We had a presentation from Kelsey Hall of Rebuilding Together, or San Francisco Rebuild, which is accepting applications for their April project. Uh, does repairs for senior centers and seniors at home and uh, of, of senior moment, I guess that has taken place, October 26th, and uh, the November meeting, which we're going to have the day before Thanksgiving this month. Thank you very much. I'm glad to take questions, if you have questions. Thank you, Eleanor. Any comments or questions? Just a quick comment, because uh, it intersects so much with, I also live on Van Ness Avenue, and, and um, I sit on a, a, the community advisory committee that uh, gets monthly updates on the state of the Van Ness repairs. So mm -hmm. my suggestion on this excellent thing that you, you are doing on the advisory committee is not only intersect, if you would, with SF Walk, 
but also, um, you know, I'd be glad to carry some of those ideas that are you're coming up with to that committee because it me it's sort of like the Muni's Community Advisory Committee on this, and we're constantly talking about the sidewalks. Mm -hmm. We're constantly trying to explain what it's like to be a resident going through this five-year. Uh, thing that's going on on Van Ness and how hard it is for especially seniors to navigate. So it just, I'm saying this is just a, a very right on issue. And so it, it, and it always helps to have advocacy from different different groups. Yes. And if they could be, if they are, if this particular group that I'm sitting on is supposedly the one that actually talks to construction and things like that and asks for repairs and things like that we could perhaps be effective together so that um, sounds good to me it's just a, a strategy but i really appreciate that this is bubbling up and um, i think it's of a, a paramount importance to a lot of people um, throughout the city but especially the people that are undergoing what what's happening on venice yeah. it's just virtually impossible to walk some places so. thank you commissioner maybe we could yeah. meet a bit afterwards uh, and that's exchange what i was going to suggest use me as a resource We'll figure it out, and I'd be right. glad to help bring those ideas forward. Thank you so, so much. Yes, uh, but thank you for that. Yeah. And in conjunction with what Commissioner Knudsen has just proposed, I live at the San Francisco Towers, and so we're in the middle of all the construction work as well. Right. We also have a resident who is on the yes. same, and yeah. Turner, and she's also speaking up for this whole issue of how difficult, and it's not only difficult, but it keeps changing every 15 minutes. So <laughs> you think you figured out how to navigate it, and then it turns, you turn around and it's not the same. Um, and the bicycle problem is another significant issue because the Bicycle Coalition is a very powerful and well-organized right. group. And while no one opposes bike riding, but near senior pedestrians, this is probably not a smart idea. Um, the accidents happen very easily. Many bike riders ride on sidewalks. They don't follow that. They add to the risk element in walking. So thank you for bringing that up. I agree with you, Commissioner. And it's going to happen out where I live, which is out in the Richmond, because they're going to start work on Geary Boulevard very shortly. So thank you very much. Thank you, Eleanor. Um, Diane Lawrence, the Joint Legislative Committee Report. Good afternoon, uh, Commissioners, Director McSpadden. So we met, we have uh, no action items from last month's meeting. Um, the, uh, we have a couple of items from our October 17th meeting. Uh, we, the legislative session to your session has wound down. So we're gonna start brand new in January with a whole new um, slew of bills, um, new priorities, uh, new, report, new bills to report on. The legislature will have uh, from January 1st through the third Friday in February, which is February 15th, uh, to come up with their new slate of bills. Um, CSL is putting together their top 10 for next year, and we should have that by our November meeting uh, at the end of the month. Um, so we'll have some follow-ups in our January meeting, um, and then they will follow they will follow up, CSL will follow up with legislators in January to get some sponsors for those bills. There's a new elder abuse stamp that's been proposed at the uh, federal level. Uh, there are bills pending in both the House and in the Senate. Um, it's a charity stamp, much like the breast cancer stamp and others, so it would carry an additional cost. And just for trivial information, Peter King of New York is sponsoring the House bill. Um, CSL updated us on the Medi-Cal personal needs allowance, which was part of the budget hearings. Uh, Representative Dobbs was writing a letter of support. This did not go through again, so we'll be back to discuss uh, raising that level. Um, at the California Welfare Director's next meeting, they're going to focus on self-sufficiency, and the group will ask C4A for their support in this area. So, and they're looking at programs for lower income constituents. Um, where there's a self-sufficiency side, uh, which could include IHSS and APS, so we'll be watching that as we move forward. Cindy Kaufman, de uh, Deputy Director, who works with us um, on the Joint Ledge Committee, um, is going to be getting additional updates on C4A bills next year, along with the national 4A bills, so we can monitor the national 
and state level, and then we're looking to see where the city legislation is so we can see where the overlaps are, and that was recommended by Commissioner Pappas. Um, there was a San Francisco recent Chronicle article that was brought up at our meeting. Uh, it was October 16th, 2018. I forgot to look it up. Um, on HUD contractors not uh, maintaining some of the sites that they've been doing some work on. Um, all of the bills have either been signed, vetoed, or just let kind of fade away. There are a couple I wanted to quickly mention that have been passed by the governor and approved. One is the Office of Emergency Services. We've talked about that during the course of the year, especially in light of the Santa Rosa fire last year and obviously brought much to our attention uh, with the fires in the north and in the south. So um, they passed the emergency, the Office of Emergency Services on communications notifications, and that's a work in progress. That's work's already beginning on that for San Francisco and the North Bay. So that legislation was passed in, assigned by the governor in September, but work's already being done. And that's what I want to give you a quick update on where what's happening with the ones that passed. Um, Senator Weiner. Um, bill on mental health services prevention and early intervention um, this was to update um, prop 63 which had leveled the playing field um, so that passed and uh, leveled the playing field between youth and seniors in the area of mental health that um, has gone forward and is definitely signed and moved on the conservatorship bill 1045 that we've discussed a lot and there's been a lot of uh, work Deputy Director Nielsen is working with the city attorney in the mayor's office. Um, they'll probably be s already on that since we're one of the pilot counties. There will be probably some cleanup language next year, so we'll keep watching this legislation because it has a significant impact in San Francisco. Um, the elder, uh, the crime, elder and dependent adult abuse abuse and investigations. The ombudsman piece was left in, but APS was left out, so it may well be that something along those lines comes back next year. And then um, the assisted living, Medi-Cal assisted living uh, waiver program, um, that uh, was vetoed, but the bill will probably come up again with the Long-Term Care Coordinating Council, and there be, given that there are some working groups on uh, that, so we'll keep monitoring that as well. So stay tuned. We'll have a brand new slate to look at in the new year. Thank you, Diana. It was very comprehensive and thorough. Um, any any ideas if there will be a it'll be different with our new governor elect and with the Democrats having a supermajority in both houses of the legislature? Do you anticipate that that might? I think it'll be an interesting. You know, it'll be interesting uh, to see. I haven't seen anything in the papers yet yeah. I would imagine we're going to see probably my guess would be this is just off the top of my head given that we've had a lot of things on communications with emergency services we may well see some different things along those lines mm -hmm. especially as we see fires in areas of concentration and oftentimes retirement communities um, I don't you know I may I have a TAC meeting um, in a couple of weeks and so we may find out more from there, and I'll have that report in January. Thank you. Any other comments or questions? Thank you, Diane. And then you're back on for TAC. Except there's nothing to report. Right I on. will report in January. Um, our next meeting is December 4th and 5th. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Long-Term Care Coordinating Council. Hi, good afternoon, Commissioners, Executive Director McSpadden. My name is Laura Leesom. I'm the Regional Director of Community Living Services in San Francisco for the Institute on Aging. I'm here to give you an update on our October 18th and November 8th meetings. Um, just a little bit about the follow-up from the retreat. As you know, this summer, the Long-Term Care Coordinating Council spent some time looking at our work as a policy body and further refined this work in our October 18th meeting where we focused on six key areas to identify system gaps and potential policy priorities. Those six areas were behavioral health, housing, transportation, workforce, personal care, and healthcare, and also nutrition. We broke into groups, identified key uh, long-term care system gaps, 
This information will be brought back to the Finance and Policy Committee, which is merged now with the Steering Committee to be one larger body, and uh, will be further worked on as a small group. At the November 8th uh, Long-Term Care Coordinating Council meeting, we had a presentation from the Health Homes Program done by consultant uh, Chris Flannery, who was talking about this Affordable Care Act benefit. Using the existing uh, California Medi-Cal managed care infrastructure, um, there will be full San Francisco implementation that will occur in January for, on January 1st, 2019. This is really an intensive case management model that focuses on high-risk individuals. Through a combination of this case management, um, for individuals with chronic care conditions, mental health conditions, putting them at higher risk for emergency utilization. The focus is to keep them out of emergency rooms, engaged with ongoing providers, having their care coordinated, and promoting their health and well-being. It also offers support to the families and the patients um, and referral resources. So we anticipate this will roll out through the San Francisco Health Plan, and they will be utilizing their existing network. So. Are there any questions? Thank you very much. Sure. Any comments or questions? No, thank you. Great. Your case report. Okay. No old business, any new business. We will begin with item A, requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with self-help for the elderly for the provision of adult daycare for older adults and adults with disabilities during the period July 1st, 2016 through June 30th, 2019 for an additional amount of $140,000 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $484,199. Rick Appleby, um, okay, the number, Okay, okay, thank you. It's, okay. it's clear on the memo, but it wasn't clear in the summary. In the summary. In, the, in terms of the numbers, but it's okay, it's clear on the memo. Great. Uh, I, Rick Appleby with the Office on Aging. Um, thank you very much. Good afternoon, President Serenia, Commissioners, and Executive Director Mick Spadden. We're looking at uh, modifications for self-help for the elderly's adult daycare program. The total amount is $140,000, and it's broken down into two separate amounts, as you read. Uh, the one is $120,000. It's a one-time Board of Supervisors add back for District 1 and the adult daycare to support therapeutic services in the program, and that's physical therapy and occupational therapy. Um, the uh, adult daycare centers in San Francisco advocated for some of this money to help uh, enhance their program and their therapeutic services and the Board of Supervisors uh, voted for that this one time for this fiscal year. It's um, physical therapy and occupational therapy to help maintain uh, the health status of their current participants in the program. So they already have some physical therapy. This will add the number of hours um, some additional staff, as you saw in the budget, um, so that um, current participants can get additional therapy to help them with stamina, strength, uh, et cetera. Uh, they have a, a physical therapist there already that does the initial assessments and helps form the treatment plans, and they have uh, therapeutic program aids that help carry out and support the physical therapist and the occupational therapists. Uh, let's see. Um, with that money, they also wanted to repair their air conditioning. Um, it's so important for the program, of course, and the participants, and it's part of their uh, requirements. Uh, so that is included in there as well. You saw it under operating um, uh, budget. The other part of this funding is $20,000 one-time only basis uh, um, for this fiscal year to address some uh, transportation-related issues for the program. This is part of a larger citywide add back of about $200,000, uh, the allocation of which is still being fully implemented, but $20,000 will go to this program to help them uh, support transportation-related costs for participants to and from their program. 
Um, let's see. I think that's it for now. I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you. <clears throat> any comments, or Commissioner Liu? Yeah, uh, the uh, I I'm looking at page three in the budget part. Um, it seemed like uh, the utility costs have jumped up quite a bit, almost like four times, and uh, maintenance is about uh, three times. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of, uh, I'm just wondering why is there such a big jump? My hunch, okay, it could be they don't have that money, the agency is absorbing the cost. I don't know, I'm asking this question. Yes, okay. I think you're right about that. And yep. the others is like office supply and postage was zero. I'm pretty sure they have some costs needed, okay? So I think that's one of the questions that really um, I, I have. Um, it, if the agencies are actually subsidizing it, I would really like to see it spell out right. so that we have a better idea how much it really actually costs mm -hmm. to run the program. Yes. Um, I know you've requested that before. This yeah, is, yeah, yeah. And I hear your concerns again. Thanks. Yeah, I think it's not only for self-help. I think for all the agency, maybe in mm -hmm. next year, um, the office should consider uh, spell Looking out all the costs so that we have a better idea right. of how much it really costs to run the program. Right, and I think you're right. I think they do add, when they get an ad back, they do put some of the extra costs in there and that's why we noticed that in here. So thanks for the comment again. And the other question I have is the transportation. Doesn't self-help for the elderly have their vans? Is not enough to, to run the, uh, to transport the uh, participants? Right. Um, they, I asked them some questions about that, and they do utilize some paratransit vans, so there's cost associated with that um, aside from their vans, um, and that's where some of this money was going. So it's additional money to help them with all forms of transportation that their participants might use. So what is going to happen if uh, next year the money is not there? Right. We'll be looking at that with them and uh, watching how this money helps them and um, that issue comes up every year. We've had some ad backs in the future this way, so the department will be looking um, at that issue. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, to follow up on Commissioner Liu's comments, it might be helpful when we have ad back money if a schedule could be included showing how it is being used, how it's being allocated out for the particular programs because right now it's sort of blended in the total number, so we mm -hmm. can't quite see how much of the ad back money is used for specific aspects of the programs. I see. Um, uh, as opposed to the ad back column in the budget I, there? I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, because Did I you, thought you said 120,000 was ad back money. For the therapeutic services and 20 for transportation. So as part of the budget, there's an add back column and that's usually the money associated with- It's 140,000. It's 140,000, oh, I misheard you, okay. I'm sorry. There's no, no, no it was, Total 140. Okay, right. I thought you'd said 120 and I was having trouble following. Oh, sorry. Okay, thank you, no, then that's fine. Okay, thank you. Any other comments or questions? Yeah, I just had a question and it's just because I'm a new commissioner so I'm mm -hmm. still learning about these programs. Um, so as I, just so I understand it, a person that would would actually be qualified for this program, they're receiving this at self-help for the elderly, so at your, at that agency. And my, my question started with, what did it have to do with district, a district one add back, and was there, there's no limit to just district, supervisor district one um, residents. Is there anything, it, it, start, it, it, it was an add back to the district one. Right. And that doesn't limit who's eligible. For the program? Right. No. I, I didn't think so. I just wondered. And then a person, as I'm reading through the target population, a person could qualify for it. It's not just income-based, right? It's like if you, it's, it's any one of these five qualifications so that if you're, for instance, just frail, you might. Yes. I just yes. wanted to clarify that in my own mind so I'm, as I'm learning these. Thank sure. you. Yeah. 
Mike, do you have some comments? Good morning, Commissioners, or good afternoon, Commissioners. I'm Mike Zog, Director of Office on the Aging. Sorry to belabor this item, but I did want to address briefly Commissioner Liu's comment about the costs experienced by our providers. And I think we all kind of understand that what we, that all our providers are essentially putting in their own fundraising and their own resources to get these um, services provided. We are really getting the benefit of the bargain in basically all our contracts. And, and what you're asking for makes a lot of sense, but it creates a challenge for us that we're trying to work through in that when someone puts on a budget and says, we're going to, here's how much the actual cost is, and here's how much we're going to put into, into a program, then that kind of puts it on us to potentially audit that amount to make sure that's correct. And that brings up a number of challenges, first from expertise and staff time and things like that. Um, so it's kind of a catch-22, and it's something we're, we're trying to work through. I, I think, again, everyone can feel comfortable that, uh, you know, our contracts, our contractors are putting in for every program, um, but really demonstrating through a budget what that cost is does come with some challenges. Yeah, I understand that I, I'm pretty sure every agency is doing fundraising, and uh, I'm glad that we have some very dedicated agencies in the city of San Francisco. If it's not for them, the city of San Francisco will not have that many programs. And I really appreciate that. But my concern is like, I know it may cost, you know, work, et cetera, but I, I'm just kind of very curious. I just, you know, uh, how, what's the percentage, you know? I, I, I'm just kind of, I, I remember years ago Okay, when, when I was uh, working in nonprofit, and I did get money from Office on Aging for nutrition program at Laguna Hana Hospital. Okay, you're talking with 30 some years ago, okay? <laughs> and um, um, we are required to put in the income contribution, if I remember, it was like 15%. Correct, yeah. Thank you, any other comments or questions? Any comments or questions from the public? And may I have a motion to approve? So moved. Do I have a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Thank you, the motion carries. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Item B, requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with the Institute on Aging for the provision of Maintaining a Multi-Purpose Senior Services Program, MSSP, site in San Francisco during the period of July 1st, 2018 through June 30th, 2019 in the amount of $300,000 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $330,000. Fanny Lapitan will present the item. Thank you, Fanny. And I would just like to point out that the memo has um, a typo in it. It shows the new amount of 300,000 and the contingency of 30,000 for a total of 300,000. Right. It, it should, should be 330. Yes, that's thank correct. So thank Good you. afternoon, commissioners and uh, executive director McSpadden. My name is Fanny Lapitan. I'm the program analyst for long-term care operations. And I'm here today to seek authorization to enter into a new agreement with Institute on Aging to help maintain the only multi-purpose senior services program or MSSP here in San Francisco. Um, MSSP is a Medi-Cal home and community-based waiver that provides services and supports to help older adults remain stable and independent at home for as long as possible um, with the goal of preventing premature uh, placement in nursing facilities. Um, in 1980, IOA applied and was selected by the California Department of Aging, or CDA, to be an MSSP provider in San Francisco and has continued to do so for over 30 years. As the reimbursement rate for MSSP has not increased since 2006, um, many MSSP programs statewide have closed due to insufficient funding, including the one here in Napa Solano um, earlier this year. 
um, DOS values and supports MSSB services as part of the options for long-term care supports and services to avoid premature institutionalization. As such, the purpose of this grant is to provide supplemental funding needed to sustain MSSP services for um, eligible older adults in San Francisco. Um, MSSP provides long-term, medium-intensity case management and uh, purchase of tangible goods and services to eligible clients who are residents of San Francisco, 65 years and older, low-income, with active Medi-Cal and with an acceptable aid code, and um, have are certifiable, uh, certified eligible for skilled nursing home placement. There is no time limitation for services, as long as the individuals continue to be eligible um, or to meet eligibility criteria and that they have the service needs. The case management includes um, intake, comprehensive assessment, care planning, uh, care plan implementation, the monitoring and reassessments. Um, the purchase of goods component of the MSSP covers needed items and services not available through other programs to ensure the basic health and safety of clients. Uh, purchases are completed as payer of last resort when clinically justified and approved by CDA. Um, case management at IO, um, for MSSP at IO is provided by care managers that include trained social workers and registered nurses. Um, IOA's multilingual staff have the capacity to serve clients whose primary language is Spanish, Cantonese, Mandarin, Russian, Farsi, in addition to English, of course. Their average caseload is between 40 to 47 clients per month, and the program has capacity to serve up to 446 clients per month. Um, the program's primary funder is uh, CDA, and it reimburses IOA on a per-member, per-month rate. Similarly, DOS will supplement this grant on a per-member, per-month rate to cover the gap in um, the CDA's reimbursement rate of about 335 or so um, per member per rate and, and, and the actual cost of MSSP, which is um, about $400 per member per rate. This translates to a DOS supplement of $56 per member per rate and um, with IOA covering any remaining gap. Um, at this time, I'll be, I'd be happy to answer any question from the commissioners. Thank you, um, Commissioner Liu. What is the ethnic breakdown of the clients they serve, do you know? I'm sorry, can you repeat that again, Commissioner Lee? What is the ethnic breakdown? Ethnic breakdown, the demographics. Yeah. Um, I have Laura Leesem who can provide that information. I'll break it down by primary language. So uh, 30%- Can you please state your name? Sure, Laura Leesem, Institute on Aging. Thank you for that reminder. 30% uh, of our existing MSSP clients speak English, 21% speak Russian, 20% speak Cantonese, 20% speak Spanish, and about 9% speak other languages. So it's a pretty diverse population that we're serving. That's actually why our staff are so fantastic, because 90% of them are multilingual. Yeah, so that's the reason I asked for uh -huh. the breakdown. Yeah, okay. absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Any other comments from the commission? Um, Fanny, I thank you. It was a very thorough presentation. I was looking at the outcome objectives, mm -hmm. and the first outcome objective indicates that at least 85% of the clients enrolled annually will avoid premature inst institutionalization. <laughs> yes. That's certainly very laudable, but how is that measured? How do you know that you've succeeded in preventing that? Yeah. So based on um, last fiscal year, we do have the outcomes for MSSP, and we know for sure that uh, 90, as of last year, last fiscal year, 97% of their clients have, been, uh, have prevented um, premature institutionalization. So we do, they do track the... Um, but I, I'm curious as to how do you know that the client would have been institutionalized without the program. Um, I'm just so one of the, Laura Leeson Institute on <laughs> Aging, one of the eligibility criteria is that these individuals are certified as skilled nursing facility eligible, meaning that they have chronic coexisting conditions that put them in the skilled nursing facility criteria. So by the essence of keeping them out of an institution, we had 93% remain in the community, we can quantify that we prevented institutionalization for that percentage. 
Did that answer your question in Yes, it does. Thank okay. you. And sure. It's very reassuring. It's a very good way to measure, actually. So thank you. Commissioner Liu. I have another question. Um, tell me, what is the uh, consultation professional services? On the budget. Okay. On the budget. Sure. Let me just reference back to that. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. just going to stand here. Okay. <laughs> Good afternoon again. Laura Leeson Institute on Aging. So because so such a large percentage of our clientele is monolingual speaking, when we have staff traveling internationally to go back to their home countries for long Christmas breaks, let's say, we are required to maintain a census of 446 clients, meaning those clients on a caseload that's monolingual require a translation service or one of our former staff members to come back and cover those clients for their monthly phone call or quarterly uh, home visit. So it's, it's usually us hiring social workers to conduct those visits. Okay, stay on here. Sure. <laughs> the other question I want to ask is like, uh, it seemed like uh, the uh, computer, the uh, $40,000 for membership, subscription, it seemed to be a little bit high. Of course, I've been out of, work loop for over 27 years. <laughs> yeah. So um, the California Department on Aging requires that all MSSP sites use a database that's administered through RTZ and Associates, and those subscriptions and dues pay for those. We also have a site association fee. Um, that, that is what our membership dues are. Library purchases, I can't think of the last time we purchased something from the library, but occasionally our, our staff need ed educational tools, such as cognitive behavioral therapy tools. We would purchase something in this category for them. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any other comments or questions? Any comments or questions from the public? Okay, um, do I have a motion to approve? I'll, I'll move to approve. Thank you, do I have a second? Second. Thank you. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Thank you. The motion carries. We now open up the meeting for general public comment. Seeing none, item number eight, any announcements? Hearing none, do I have a motion to adjourn? So move. <laughs> is that seconded? Second. By rising vote. Thank you. Meeting is adjourned. That was pain relatively painless after yeah. some of the ones we've been through. <laughs> I'll say. I thought the packet was extremely light. Yeah.